Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work the Practical Guide from the Country's Foremost Relationship Expert by John Gottman, Ph.D. In this book, renowned clinical psychologist and marriage researcher Dr. John Gottman shares his findings on the factors behind healthy marriages and how couples can strengthen and deepen their relationships. Research shows that those who are happily married are healthier and live longer compared to those with unhappy marriages. However, about 67% of first marriages end in divorce, with half of all divorces happening in the first seven years. There are many myths about why marriages fail. For example, marriage doesn't fail due to the lack of communication and conflict resolution skills. Therapists often advise couples to actively listen to each other, validate their spouse's concerns, and jointly identify solutions. These techniques are sound, Yet they don't work in marital conflict as they're hard to master, especially when you're dealing with personal issues that are emotionally sensitive. Unlike most marital advice, which is based on subjective opinion, Gottman's team developed the recommendations in this book on extensive scientific research. Over 16 years, they studied hundreds of couples from various countries. They observed and recorded how the couples interacted in a lab, interviewed them, took readings of their physical and emotional states, and followed how they went through different phases of their marriages. With the data, Gottman has been able to predict divorce with 91% accuracy just by observing the couple's interactions for five minutes. The research shows that marriages do not fail over disagreements on whether the toilet seat is left up or down, or who does the dishes, the real marital disagreements are those rooted in fundamental differences like personality, values, and desired lifestyle, and these cannot be resolved. Yet couples can be happy despite their differences. At the core of a happy marriage is a strong friendship. That is, the couple knows each other intimately, honors and respects each other, and enjoys each other's company. This creates a general sense of positivity about the spouse and the relationship that overrides negative feelings during conflict. Specifically, there are seven key ingredients in all happy marriages. Things start to turn sour when one or more of these ingredients are missing. There are several telltale signs that a relationship is breaking down. First, when a couple begins a discussion with a harsh setup, that is, with criticism and or contempt, it almost always ends badly. This is partially because harsh startups tend to usher in the four horsemen of negative interactions, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Let's look at each component briefly. A complaint focuses on a specific action you're unhappy about. For example, you promised to pick up the groceries but didn't, while a criticism focuses on something wrong with the person. For example, you are so unreliable. Why can't you keep a simple promise to pick up the groceries? 
Contempt implies disgust and can take many forms, such as sarcasm, cynicism, or name-calling. For example, what will you do if I refuse, lock me up, or it's not as if you ever keep your promises, which only causes communication to shut down. Defensiveness also makes things worse, as the person comes across as trying to find excuses or assign blame. These three components, criticism, contempt, and defensiveness, tend to intensify the hostility to the point that one feels partly flooded. The person then tries to protect himself by stonewalling, that is, basically shuts off and ignores the issue or partner. When someone is flooded, there are observable signs of distress. For example, spikes in hormone levels, heart rates, and blood pressure. In this state, you can't process information or develop constructive solutions. Men are more easily flooded as the male cardiovascular system takes longer to recover from emotional distress. 80% of the time, women are the ones bringing up sensitive issues. Men will tend to avoid the conflict, act defensively or contemptuously, then retreat behind their walls if they're flooded. Although the four horsemen appear in all marriages, Couples in stable marriages are able to diffuse tension to reduce flooding and stonewalling. The real problem occurs when the horsemen are always present and at least one partner is regularly flooded. Stonewalling then leads to an isolation and loneliness that destroys the marriage. At some point, couples may get so entrenched in their negative view of the spouse and marriage that they mentally rewrite their past. They basically forget the fond feelings and the details of the early days of their courtship and marriage. All they recall are bad memories, problems, and unpleasant experiences. At this stage, it's hard to save the marriage. Fundamentally, great marriages don't depend on conflict management. They depend on how you interact daily to strengthen the friendship and sense of positivity in your relationship. We'll now look at the seven principles underlying healthy, happy marriages. All seven principles are interrelated. When you improve one area, it will positively affect all other areas. Principle number one, enhance your love maps. Happily married couples know each other intimately. It's like having a love map in their minds where they can store all the details about their spouse, like their best friends, favorite music, greatest fears and hopes, and current stresses. All of us change, especially when we experience major life events. When a couple understands each other deeply and have the habit of staying up to date with each other's thoughts and feelings, they're less likely to lose sight of each other through the years. Play the Love Maps quiz to test how well you know your spouse and to deepen your mutual understanding. In the book, Gottman provides 60 questions you can use. Pick 20 questions. For example, what are the names of my two closest friends? Describe in detail what I did today. Write down the answers. Then check with your spouse if you got them right. The person with the higher score wins. Interview your spouse like a reporter to find out about their current friends and rivals, events that they dread or look forward to, current hopes and stresses, etc. 
your goal is to gather facts for a broad snapshot of your partner's life and start building your love maps. Do not judge or give advice. Try to do some self-exploration together by discussing your past successes and how they shaped you, your past traumas or emotional wounds, your life mission and desired legacy, who you want to become, and the demons you struggle with. Write down your answers separately, then exchange notes and discuss what these mean for you individually and as a couple. Revisit the exercises and your notes to stay updated over time. Principle number two, build your fondness and admiration for each other. Mutual affection and respect are essential for a lasting and fulfilling romance. How a couple talks about their past reveals how they truly feel about each other. Happily married couples can still vividly recall the early days of their courtship and marriage. This creates a reservoir of positive feelings that cushions the impact of bad times and reduces the likelihood of the four horsemen dominating their interactions. Deliberately revive or strengthen your positive feelings for your spouse by setting aside a time to think about his or her good qualities. Identify the top three characteristics that you appreciate most about your spouse. Write down an incident that illustrates each characteristic and share it with him or her. Together, recall and discuss the history and philosophy behind your marriage. Think about your relationship history, like how you met, your dating highlights, why you decided to get married, and the transitions you've made. Then discuss your marriage philosophy, like why you think marriages work or fail, and how your marriage has evolved over the years. Train yourself to focus on your partner's positive points using the seven-week program. For five days each week, go through the exercises provided. For example, Consider the physical attributes you like about your spouse and recall special moments in your marriage. Principle number three, turn toward each other. Happily married couples don't rely on romantic getaways or expensive gifts to sustain their relationship. They habitually turn toward each other in their daily interactions. For example, making time to call each other or doing grocery shopping together. By injecting engagement and fondness into small daily gestures, they build the sense of positivity toward each other and the marriage. Deliberately build a positive emotional bank account. Keep entries of how often you make deposits into your account. For example, doing something together or helping your spouse to run an errand and how often you make the withdrawals. For example, forgetting a promise or being late for dinner. Your goal is to be honest about how often you neglect your partner. Focus on what you can do for your spouse and acknowledge when he or she does something for you. Jointly identify things you'd like to do more together as a couple. For example, go to a party, listen to music. One of the most important activities for a couple is to reunite at the end of the day and have a stress-reducing conversation. Set aside 20 to 30 minutes of uninterrupted time each day after you've both had the chance to unwind. Take turns to talk about how your day went, focusing only on non-marital issues. 
Your goal is to offer emotional support. This means you should show interest, empathy, and always take your spouse's side. Do not correct your spouse or offer unsolicited advice. If you suspect your spouse needs advice, simply ask, How can I help? Or, Would you like to brainstorm solutions together? If you feel that your spouse is ignoring you, use the next exercise to tune in to each other. The book comes with various questions and checklists to guide you through the exercise. Start by identifying your emotions and what triggered those feelings. For example, you felt you lost your dignity or are unable to persuade your partner. Consider how these triggers could be linked to your past, such as your upbringing, a past relationship, or trauma. Compare notes with your spouse, bearing in mind there's no right perspective, and you shouldn't blame your partner for your feelings. Step back to consider if you've also contributed to the situation. For example, if you've been feeling stressed or irritable. Principle number four, let your partner influence you. When making decisions, most women naturally consider their husband's feelings and opinions, while men don't intuitively do the same. In the long run, the happiest and most stable marriages are those where the couples work as a team. They consider each other's opinions and seek common ground where there's a disagreement. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. When a couple habitually considers each other's opinions, it strengthens the foundation for the first three principles and reduces the likelihood of harsh startups. Men who are open to their wives' influence also tend to improve their emotional intelligence and how they relate to their children. Always assume there's a reasonable request behind every message, regardless of your spouse's tone of voice. Learn to listen out for it and express your willingness to cooperate. Play games that require teamwork and test and refine how you work as a team. Even if you're struggling to accept your spouse's influence, you can start by acknowledging the issue. Ask your spouse for help to point out gently whenever you're being bossy. Principle number five, solve your solvable problems. There are two key types of marital conflict, solvable problems, which are situational, and perpetual problems, which can't be fully resolved. To reduce the chances of solvable problems blowing out of proportion, use these five steps. First, soften your startup. Approach the issue without criticism or contempt. If you're feeling upset, calm down before broaching the issue. Describe what's happening without judgment or blame, and be polite, clear, and specific. For example, you can say, The guests are arriving in an hour, and the house is still a mess. We agreed to clean the house together, and I'm really upset to be doing it alone. Can you please help to clean the floor? Make statements starting with I to describe your feelings. For example, I feel hurt when you don't respond to what I say. 
don't accuse your spouse. For example, you're ignoring me. Focus on what used to be great rather than what is now wrong. For example, remember how we used to go for a walk every evening? I really miss having that time with you. Second, use repair attempts to diffuse tension. Repair attempts are like breaks to stop a conflict from escalating. You can agree on certain phrases in advance, so it's easier to give and receive repair attempts in the heat of an argument. Some scripted phrases include, I feel defensive. Can you rephrase that? Please, can we take a break? I'm starting to feel flooded. Pick a minor disagreement to practice your repair attempts. Talk for 15 minutes each using at least one of the agreed phrases. Before you make a repair attempt, announce that you're going to do it and the other person's job is to accept the repair attempt. Third, calm yourself down by soothing yourself and each other. If you notice physiological signs of flooding on either side, take a break of at least 20 minutes to soothe yourself. During the break, do not think about the conflict. Distract yourself with something calming, such as soothing music or visualizing a relaxing image. After you've calmed yourself, soothe each other. For example, do a guided meditation together or give each other a massage. You can discuss your respective triggers for flooding, the signals to look for, and how best to comfort each other. Fourth, compromise. Ask your spouse to help you see his or her point of view, listening out for the reasonable part of the request. Try finding common ground to a solvable problem. First, think about the problem separately. Draw two circles, a large circle with aspects that you can compromise on and a small circle inside with aspects that you absolutely can't compromise on. Make the outer circle as big as possible and the inner circle as small as possible. Then discuss your circles with the goal of developing a mutually acceptable plan. In the final step to solve your solvable problems is to be tolerant of each other's flows instead of hoping your spouse would change. Gottman addresses the six key areas of marital conflict and how you and your spouse can approach the solvable issues involved. The six areas are work stress, in-laws, money, sex, housework, and a new baby. For example, setting aside time for stress-reducing conversations helps to minimize work stress from spilling over to the marriage. If your wife and mother-in-law are both vying for your attention, the best solution is for you as the husband to side with your wife and present a united front. To reduce money-related conflict, jointly develop a budget and financial plan that addresses both your goals, fears, and needs, bearing in mind that money often represents self-worth security, and other emotional needs. Learn to talk with each other about sex in a way that feels safe and always handle the topic sensitively. For example, make your request from the angle of making a good thing even better, never as a criticism. Since conflict about housework usually centers around perceived fairness, the best approach is to write down the chores and agree on who does what, 
yet be flexible about chipping in whenever your spouse needs help. Finally, having a new baby fundamentally changes your marriage. Besides the stress and fatigue, a new mother undergoes a life-altering process. Unless the husband follows her on the transformation journey, he may feel left out and resentful. Expand your sense of solidarity to include your children. Include dad in baby care without insisting he does things in a specific way and set aside some couple time. Principle number six, manage perpetual problems. 69% of marital conflicts are perpetual problems that can't be fully resolved. Gridlocked issues are so intense and hard to fix because they involve hopes and aspirations that are part of your self-identity. For example, dreams of freedom, security, or adventure. When your dreams seem to be in conflict, you're afraid to accept your spouse's view as it may mean giving up your own dreams and identity. Such gridlocks can cause deep anguish, especially if the couple keeps having the same fights with no progress. Eventually, flooding and stonewalling set in and the marriage falls apart. The way to address perpetual problems is to uncover the underlying dreams so you can figure out how to respect and support each other's aspirations without sacrificing your own. You'll never fully resolve the conflict, but you can learn to discuss and live with it without hurting each other. Imagine you grew up in a chaotic family where your parents were seldom home and even forgot your meals. You now insist on order and routine at home as it's your dream to give your kids the structure and security you never had. On the other hand, your husband may have had strict parents who controlled his every move, so now he wants the children to enjoy freedom and adventure. Neither party is wrong, and unearthing the hidden dreams helps you to start a real dialogue. Choose an existing gridlocked issue to work on as a couple. Write down the situation and the hidden dream behind it. Then take 15 minutes each to share honestly about your dream, where it came from, and what it means to you. Your goal is to understand why each of you feel the way you do, so you stop seeing each other's dreams as threats to your own identity. You can honor your spouse's dreams at three levels. To be interested and understand it, to offer support for it, or to share the dream. You won't be able to share all your partner's dreams, but you can at least honor them. Take a break after your sharing session to soothe each other. Then, use the exercise earlier to come to an initial compromise. Define what's negotiable and non-negotiable. Find common ground and agree on a temporary arrangement that you'd try for a period of time. Be patient and refine the arrangement over time, knowing that the conflict may never be totally resolved. End each session positively by saying thank you and sharing three things you appreciate about your spouse. Principle number seven, create shared meaning. Every marriage has its own mini-culture. While the first six principles can help you build a healthy, stable marriage, your relationship will become more fulfilling if your culture reflects your dreams and growth as a couple and enriches your inner spiritual life. As a couple, explore your similarities, differences, 
and the shared meaning and culture you wish to create in your family. Discuss the type of family rituals you want to create and why. For example, having home-cooked meals together, baking your own cakes for birthdays. Talk about your roles in life, both within and without the marriage. For example, who are you as a wife or husband, a mother, a father, a friend, a worker, etc.? Share your personal goals, such as your financial and spiritual goals, and identify shared goals and dreams with your spouse. Consider various symbols like home, sex, religious symbols, and what values and beliefs they represent for you. Build a culture that reflects who you both are. We've just outlined the seven principles for making marriage work. Regardless of whether your marriage is healthy or on the rocks, you can apply the seven principles to improve your relationship. This is a step-by-step -step guidebook with detailed assignments, questionnaires, exercises, and case studies that any couple can use to learn and apply the seven principles. If you've enjoyed the ideas in this summary, do get a copy of the book for the full details and exercises, or visit www.gottman.com for more information. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes.